Hey there, everybody. Nick Thomas here. Before we get to our next episode, I want to tell you about a special sponsor that we have, the Standard Beard Care. That's right, the Standard Beard Care. They are a Christ-exalting, a veteran-owned, and the simplest name in beard care. Listen, you're a Calvinist. You're trying to grow a beard. You see all your peers doing it, and you're trying. Go to the standardbeardcare.com, and they'll help you out. On the front page at a standardbeardcare.com, you'll see the gift box especially made for you. And you get a balm, you get an oil, you get a brush, you get a comb, and any kind of smell good and smell nice that you want. And you can even tell them that a Couch Divided sent you. You can use ACD, that's right, the promo code ACD at checkout for 10% off. The standardbeardcare.com, the simplest name in beard care. Go to it. Get that beard going, you Calvinist. Hey, this is Nick Thomas with The Couch Divided, one of the co-hosts here. We just wanted to give you a quick warning about today's episode. It is extremely graphic in nature. So if you have little ones uh, running around or if you yourself um, cannot stomach or handle this uh, particular topic, now's the time to turn it off. We're not going to be offended at all. But it is a part of our society and it's a th- the talk of the town. We found it necessary to uh, have a podcast and a discussion about this. Once again, uh, we We're just uh, advising you that this topic that we're getting ready to talk about today is extremely graphic in nature and may be something you would want to turn off. But if you're going to hang in there with us, sit back and relax and prepare to be couched. I didn't feel accountable to anybody. I didn't feel that I had to to uh, face what I had done ever. And uh, so you, you have there comes a point where a person has to has to be accountable for what he's done. Can't go can't go around making excuses, uh, blaming other people or other things. So I I alone am the one who is responsible for what's happened. And I've come to since come to believe that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true creator of uh, the heavens and the earth. It just didn't just happen. And uh, I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that I, as, long, as well as everyone else, will be accountable to him. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cultish. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Roberts, one of the co-hosts here, flying solo today. Uh, I am joined uh, once again by my good friend Robin from A Couch Divided, Dr. Mindhunter. Dr. Mindhunter. Good to have you back. Thank you, sir. We are also joined by the one and only, the great one, Nick Thomas. <laughs> oh, the great one. <laughs> the great one. I like that. <laughs> so me and The Rock have something in common. We're the, the great, great one. one. Yes, the Brahma Bull, the great one. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Nick Thomas. You know what? You know, Toby calls me Uncle Nick. You can call me Uncle Nick if you want, <laughs> except you're older than me, Jerry. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I know. Uh, and Toby doesn't actually vocalize Uncle Nick yet. Well, he's yes. told uh, that to me. You oh, just has didn't he? Okay, that. you yeah. shouldn't share that my son spoke those two <laughs> complex words with me. That was so nice. I am... 
I'm doing my best to try and age well. At least I'm trying to age well as much as I can. I'm about six weeks out from uh, becoming a married man, That's which right. I'm. Uh, you, you're super wearing an All Valley Karate tournament. Uh, I know. Shirt. Uh, I know. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Which speaks Cobra to Kai. the era that we grew up in. Yeah. In the 80s. <laughs> which is, you are yes, and you are aging quite well. You're going to look very handsome. Oh yeah. And your yeah. wedding attire. Hey, you gotta get. You gotta have. You gotta be. You know, sometimes style a little bit. You yeah. know, this is I a. Love fi- it. This is a five dollars she- uh, t-shirt from the clearance section at Kohl's. I see. I love it. Yeah. Was plus, it? Plus, when oh. you actually when you order something from Amazon, here's a little life hack. If you have oh. to refund something from Amazon, if you go to Kohl's yep. and you do a refund there, they give you a five dollar gift card that's valid for like 24 hours oh you can get five bucks off anything so that's so cool if you go to the clearance section this was a dollar i think it was six dollars so i actually got this t-shirt for one dollar that's the kind of frugal shopping us yeah. uh, I enjoy hearing about. Yeah. <laughs> and just because I've been exercising and uh, trying yeah. to, you know, look good L- for the wedding. Little I, buff I've, for I've your been, uh, it's, it's, it's actually fitting better. This shirt was very uh, difficult to wear a couple weeks ago, and uh, I've been trying to... Yeah. Trying to trim up all sort of fun stuff, but um, good find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, real quickly, uh, just tell everyone again about your podcast and uh, what it's about, and maybe how, and also why you think it's relevant to the discussion sure. that we're having. <laughs> um, my name is Dr. Robin Hall. I have my doctorate in clinical psychology. Um, I am a co-host. Uh, Glory, what did you? What do you call me normally? Glorifying <laughs> the, 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 the glorious Dr. Robin. The Hall. glorious yeah, Dr. Right. Robin. All. Yeah. Um, I am one co- one co-host of the A Couch Divided podcast, and um, yeah, so my area of expertise is in psychological, is in psychology, mm-hmm. <laughs> psychopathology yeah. specifically, and uh, so that's why we are joining forces again mm-hmm. with uh, Jerry here. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, at Cultish to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, I'm Nick Thomas. I begin every episode with that. Uh, I am the other part and the co-host of a Couch Divided podcast, where secular psychology meets a biblical worldview. Yes, you'll hear that at the beginning of yes. yeah, yeah, uh, and you'll hear that at the uh, the beginning of every episode. Uh, my degree is in uh, behavioral health counseling, and I'm pursuing more education too as well. Yeah, and Nick's going to be joining the doctor ranks the here doctor eventually. Ranks here, yeah, yep. yeah, pretty soon here. So uh, that's uh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, um, I have an affinity towards newthetic counseling, even though I'm kind of diving into uh, creating a, um, a covenantal style of, yes. of approach and uh, what the human psyche is in relationship to God and His covenant yeah. people. I mm. think uh, we've got a lot of books and texts in our future. Which is exciting. Yeah. I mean, we're really trying to bridge a gap between, mm-hmm. um, well, the chasm that exists essentially between secular psychology and the church. And this is an area that the church, the real church, has failed in mm-hmm. uh, terribly, right, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And yeah. we need to do better. So that's what mm-hmm. we're speaking to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's also interesting why we're all combining together here is that this is something that really it's sort of a hybrid of everything that we all kind of cover separately and even kind of cover together. Yeah. We're talking about uh, the me- the mental health aspect, the psychological aspect, what was inside Dahmer that made him tick, make the decisions to do what he did, right. what was going psych- uh, sociologically mm-hmm. on in the 1990s, uh, how do we consume our media? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, you know, There's a lot of other variables in play. And it also just too, like the, na- the nature of evil, the real nature of true crime, like what's the appeal, what's the aesthetic of finding out about people like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, all these other people that are just 
enamored by it. Like you think about the Netflix show, uh, Mindhunters, ironically, we gave the name Mindhunter. I, I mean, that whole story, that whole Netflix series was based off of a true story of this one portion of the FBI oh, yeah. where they were trying to analyze uh, the crimes of real people who were serial killers and, and psychopaths to try and see if they could find a predictable behavior pattern to stop future crimes. Right. Um, and this is something, too, when we, we still look at the nature of neurology and what makes people tick and what make, makes people do what they do, I think in many ways that's still in its infancy. There's still so little that we know, and we're, uh, we're only at beginning to really truly understand that. So I think it's uh, taking all those things into account. Sure. Um, so... The clip we played at the very beginning was a clip from MSNBC clip, and this is uh, Dahmer uh, with his father. Uh, it's from MSNBC after he's talking all these years later about his crimes, and he he mentions a couple of interesting things. Uh, he mentions that he accepted uh, Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Uh, yeah. That we're going to have that conversation, but then he talks about worldview. He talks about him taking to account uh, really evolution, yeah. his view of that in understanding why he did the things that he did. Uh, so you have that variable in play, but also responsibility, at least from his, we don't, I mean, we don't know his heart, but he did say, this is my responsibility and my mine and mine alone. Right. So that is on some level a fruit of, uh, repentance. So I'm I'm definitely enamored to uh, jump into the second part of this conversation. Yeah, I, it's going to be a good one. This episode is brought to you by Apologia Studios. Coltish would not be possible if it wasn't for Apologia Studios, where we film our show and record our show out of. So if you want to support the studio, which will allow Coltish to remain a weekly content for you to enjoy, please go to apologiastudios.com. You can uh, become an all-access member. And that, will, again, will support the studio, which will allow Coltus to be a possibility for you to enjoy on a weekly basis. Now, back to the episode. Um, you also wanted to go over um, his arrest and then... Yeah, yeah, the let's trial. talk about that because we're talk. This is sort of moving forward, man. Now we're rewinding back a little bit. Uh, we're not going to go into every single crime. We're kind of no. giving some details that kind of get the idea of what made him tick. Um, and again, part of how he operated... You get to a point where you think you get away with stuff so much, you almost kind of let down your guard. Yes, you get um, sloppy. So maybe we could just kind of, let's just jump forward to the when he got caught. Sure. Uh, from all accounts, there was a man who was uh, running, crying for help, who yeah. had one handcuff uh, attached uh, to him, to one of his wrists, uh, who also had escaped his apartment. Nothing had happened to him. He was... Uh, no, nothing happened to it with it like yet. his previous victim yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his previous victims, uh, they didn't really, from all their understandings, it was probably one of the uh, gay bars that uh, Dahmer had frequented. And so the police that he encountered, again, talking about the don't ask, don't tell nature of the early 1990s, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have a uh, key that matched, uh, that could unlock his specific handcuffs. So they were actually led to go back to the apartment this time just to see, not because they want to investigate. They just want to see if they could get the key the just to key. unlock this guy and like kind of not deal with deal it with, anymore. Deal with it right. anymore. Yeah. So even the story of like how that came about was, was very uh, interesting. And of course they go in there and Dahmer's acting very cool, very nonchalant. And lo and behold, 
that's uh, where he got caught. Yes. Uh, what, what else do we know about that? So I, he, he escalated. His, be, his killing spree escalated in terms of, like, frequency um, in that last, like, little bit right before he was caught. So... Um, we talked about yes uh, at the, during the first episode that between his first and second murders there was a nine year span. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he starts uh, really getting quick with this in February of ninety one. Tenth um, victim, okay, and then April of ninety one is nineteen uh, year old victim Errol Lindsay, and we're actually going to hear a clip um, from his sister during Jeffrey Dahmer's trial. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, had a hole drill in his, drilled in his head, mm-hmm. was, uh, had hydrochloric acid poured inside an attempt to, you know, zombify him. Uh, so we've got, uh, February, April of 91. Then we have May of 91 and we've got 31 year old Anthony Hughes is dead. This is when the younger brother of, um, the previous sexual assault victim, mm-hmm. right? escapes but then gets released back to Dahmer's custody by the police while we go listen to the first episode and you'll understand that a little bit more so we've got again February April May June uh his victim in June of 1991 was Mm -hmm. 20 year old Matthew Turner and then between July 7th and July 19th of 91 he has three more victims Mm. So you can see his, this is just an absolutely unbelievable progression, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's going, they're spaced out every couple of, you know, months here in 88, 89. And now we get to July and he is in a frenzy. He Mm -hmm. kills three people between July 7th and July 19th. And we've given given enough warning disclaimers here. And I'll just give one again for the sake of what I'm going to say. Um, But again, if you've made it this far... um, you're here. Right. Uh, but uh, one of the things that is very, if you even if you watch the documentaries, again, I would not recommend watching the Netflix television no, show. I, I think gruesome. it really, uh, unfortunately, push it, pushes the line. I couldn't get through it either, pretty much. Um, but, like, one of the things when you look at um, the progression of sin, we quoted that passage in James, how sin get, continues, there's a site, it continues to give birth to death. Right. Um, it's it's a matter of fact that he was um, aroused uh, by these crimes. And so what was happening is that as he was killing someone and, and disposing of the body, he couldn't even fully dispose of it before he had to go on and seduce the next person and, and, and claim his next victim. Um, that's one of the reasons why the smell uh-huh. started coming from his apartment. So what you see is that this compulsive behavior is escalating is escalating, mm-hmm. um, which is just, it's just, I mean, people can kind of get in the industries of the psychology behind it. But again, just from a very, very basic level standpoint, this is just the nature of sin. It starts right. off small and it escalates. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's feeding the beast, right? Yeah. So in the same way, like when you think it's okay to keep pet sin, right? And my brain, my mind immediately goes back to pornography. Mm. When you, are tempting sin almost in that way. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is death. Right. I mean, I think we could quote like every single verse in Romans. Little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's he is indulging himself. Mm-hmm. He's indulging himself in this. 
Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And it's very easy to look at someone like Dahmer in this extreme example to say, right. oh, that's horrific. But, well, how ma- how, horrific. How, but how many of us like want to look at that but not look introspectively at ourselves? Right. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I wanted to throw a bottle at the car that cut me off in traffic or I'm, you know, like in my mind spewing hate at somebody and yeah. like that. God is very clear that we commit murder first Mm -hmm. where in our heart. So um, this is it's interesting for us to look at somebody like Dahmer because like that evil becomes so manifest. Right. And so right before he is arrested, literally within weeks, three weeks of his arrest, he kills three people. um, And out of respect for them, I'm going to say their names. So. Our sign keeps falling over, Jerry, or our coaster. No. Um, Jeremiah Weinberger was 20. Oliver Lacey was 24. And Joseph Bradahoff was mm-hmm. 25. Um, so his arrest, Jerry already kind of went over it a little bit. Um, and they do display, like, they, they accurately portray how this went down in the Netflix series, even though we are not encouraging people to watch it. No. Um, so this individual, the one that escaped mm-hmm. and lived, his name is Tracy Edwards. He was 32. And like Jerry said, he was handcuffed by Dahmer and manages to escape mm-hmm. his apartment and run down the street. Um, he flags down a couple of officers the officers don't have a handcuff key that matches the handcuff. So Tracy brings them back to the apartment. I Can I just like stop there for one second? Uh, no. I would have been like, all right, y'all, number 13, and I'm not going anywhere near that place ever again. Right. This guy has mm-hmm. the gut. Seriously, think about that kind of the courage that that takes yeah. to accompany the officers back when you have just escaped what you believe he was trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a no thank you. <laughs> right. I would not yeah. be. Yeah. Well, and you actually, there are several awesome true crime cases where like the victims do escape and they, the first thing they do is bring the police right back to the apartment, to the place where they were tortured, where they escaped from. And I have nothing but respect. For yeah. Them. And this is the case in a lot of cases. I think I'm gonna let you, if you're going to say that, I'll let you jump in. But one of the things too, when you let's look at crimes in general, uh, is that a lot of times a killer, whether it's a serial killer, a, a sociopath or whatever, they always try and spot out victims who will not fight back. Yeah. Like this is the gazelle that's loose from the pack. So the packs together, you're going to be in trouble. You can watch Planet of Nature so- shows to see that. So in this case, you know, Dahmer was specifically uh, targeting, uh, you know, and this is a time too where uh, the gay community was extremely a minority community. Not only that, but minority uh, black gay men is who he was primarily targeting. Which was even more a minority within right. the minority. So group. even then, like there, there was even like a talk around that time amongst the gay bars that like there were men that were vanishing and disappearing. But right. it was just, but even back then it was like we didn't have we didn't text each other. We'd right. have a phone call. How you could communicate or get a hold of somebody. I mean, unless you went to a pay phone. Right. It's very different. I mean, we all have ways we could communicate to anyone across the world. Like right. it's, it was a very different world. But um, in this case, this is somebody who had courage, who fought back. Right. Um, right. Or in this case, didn't fight. We fought back by utilizing uh, the civil magistrates yeah. to be gods and actors of justice. And what's also interesting is that you got to think from the standpoint of Dahmer. 
he lets these officers yeah. in. But you think about how much he's gotten away with. He's it gotten away with that. But also just how compulsive he was. I mean, how warped he must have been. He probably let those officers in with everything. I'm not even going to go into the details yeah. of what was in his room. Uh, just you can his look. You, you yeah. can look in his apartment. I mean, you can listen to other true crime podcasts, documentaries to find that out. But he let them in. Like, assuming he could get away with this. Yeah, I th- I think, because he had gotten away with it so often. And I think that was probably primarily operating, psychologically speaking. But I also think there was a part of him that didn't care. Like, he, he didn't believe he would be caught. Mm-hmm. But if he did get caught, eh. It's just and another I think, thing. And yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And I think that's just how detached that he was. Mm-hmm. Right. He was so consumed in this and his lust for again, he, you know, not really killing them, but in order to get what he wanted, which was that comatose zombie like pliable, malleable state. See, I find that very interesting oh. that mm-hmm. he had that reaction after he got caught too as well because the first time that he got arrested over the sexual assault case. Yeah, back dis- in, I think it was 88? Yeah. Eight. yeah. Um, with that uh, boy. Yeah. Um, they describe him as very irritated, uncooperative, and angry. Um, and in this case, yeah, it was all emotion foregone kind of thing. And I don't know if that was a radical progression into dissociation or if it was just, okay, I had a good ride. There is no reason to kick against the goads on this one. I don't know. I haven't actually heard parts of an interview that ask about that. But this is something that we see in other serial killers. Mm -hmm. We see, Mm -hmm. like, but Bundy is a classic example of this. Mm -hmm. We see, like, a progression. Mm -hmm. And like an escalation and then a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. you've got that right here. This is mm-hmm. a, like to kill three people in three weeks. He had never done anything like that before. Yeah. Right. Up until this point, even though 91 was definitely a much more active year for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He had never killed three people in that short right. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So eventually they they find out right away. We played in uh, part one, the newscast. Yes. And you can even see like sometimes when you look at somebody like their face tells a thousand words yeah. and that police chief who's described trying to describe to the news what he's seeing he's doing it as professionally as he can but you could tell man he just saw he's rattled he's mm-hmm. rattled and it's probably he just he saw something i don't know if that man's still alive this is the 1990s this is, this is uh 30 somewhat years ago but Oh. You know, this is also indicative of the fact that you've worked with first responders mm-hmm. um, and the need for like mental health treatment amongst uh, firemen, policemen, because they're the first detectives. on the scene yeah. mm-hmm. detectives who see things and then they have to go home. Like these people, like these police officers, these detectives who went and saw this. what was in uh, Dahmer's refrigerator and what was the uh, his, bowl full of acid. six gallon barrel in his yeah. bedroom. Yeah. Right. Everyone from the hazmat unit to all these people, like these are people who are probably family men who mm-hmm. are just doing their job they went to school for. Mm-hmm. And now they're seeing that what well, they can't be unseen. And now they just have to go home mm-hmm. and say hi to the kids, say hi to the wife. So I'm going to say like, I, honestly, in the early 90s, like it, the, these aren't even men that would have been trained in school mm-hmm. to, to deal with anything like this. Crime scene cleanup is not what it, it was not then what it is today, right? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you the officers on duty that made the initial discoveries here, 
had zero training to try and prepare them for this. Nowadays, because 30 whatever years later, we've got all these examples of serial killers and really depraved ones that have done awful things. We uh, approach situations like this differently. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no way on God's green earth that we would walk by an apartment that so clearly stank of wretched death Mm -hmm. and ignore it. Mm -hmm. That to me, so our olfactory system, our sensory input for sense of smell, Mm -hmm. it's the only sensory input that's directly linked to our amygdala. And the amygdala is a part of the brain that is responsible for processing and storing emotional memory. Yes. And that's why when you smell apple pie, mm-hmm. you don't just remember that grandma made it. Suddenly, you're back in her kitchen mm-hmm. and you can watch her mm-hmm. pour the flour and the butter into the bowl and roll it out. Um, our olfaction, our olfactory sense is always our most potent trauma cue. Vietnam era veterans... Uh, couldn't go, to, a lot of the guys that I've worked with in the past couldn't go to strip malls because if there was any kind of Asian cooking, mm-hmm. that smell immediately wow. triggered it. OEF, OIF guys, burning trash, yep. smelling dust. I mean, especially here in Arizona, for those of you guys that don't live here, which is plenty, when you drive like the outer freeways in our city, around our city, some of the train is very similar to mm-hmm. Iraq and Afghanistan, and oh, yeah. just the smell um, of the dust can be triggering. It's fascinating to see what what sets people off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, in the mo- I'll say in the most compassionate way since uh, possible. But uh, I mean, I remember one time I was in Houston and uh, I was uh, doing some evangelism on the street with some uh, with a, a few people from this uh, one church in Houston, and I got in this you know gospel conversation with somebody who was a veteran yeah. and we were chatting back and forth and it sticks with me to this day. And, um, there's a moment where there's a Humvee that drive drove by, but we're talking about civilian, mm-hmm. like, like fluorescent, like H3, like, H3, <laughs> yeah. like fluorescent green. The thing is total, like total vanity, like a total yeah. vanity thing. You know, if somebody has money to burn, had to right. buy this or whatever, probably mm-hmm. still had the new car smell, everything like that. As soon as that drove by, you could say like he froze yeah. like and you could tell that he's like this fight or flight and i just looked at him like are you okay man yeah and then he told me i was like dude yeah. and i was just there and like it was like he under like i understood mm-hmm. even though I, I haven't served yes, like, yes yes it was like he knew that i knew that what he was going through and they actually set like a groundwork for him like to listen oh, to that amazing. which was like an amazing thing so to go to say is that um, there's a level of like gravitas in this situation from all people involved. We're talking about trauma from yes. uh, the people who are the families of oh, the, Dahmer's victims. So the victims themselves, obviously, right? right? The murdered victims, every person that loved them, mm-hmm. every person they loved, all of the paperwork people, okay, so like the first responders, think about people that had to per- perform op- autopsies. What right. about the like, a Milwaukee medical examiner in that mm-hmm. season can that's not they found three torsos in that gallon mm-hmm. in that 50 gallon 56 gallon jug jug I think your point is really really important there are so many more individuals touched by something like this than right. just Jeffrey and the yeah. individuals that he killed of course those yeah. being the most important mm-hmm. but yeah, there's that. Well, there is a three-part uh, Netflix series called The Dahmer Tapes, mm-hmm. which I, again, it's it's graphic, but it's it's a good alternative to the show, which I would not recommend. Right. Um, 
but it goes into interviewing the actual people and we're talking about people who are affected by it. Um, I believe it was the defense attorney for mm-hmm. Dahmer that was mm-hmm. assigned just because the American system, Miranda writes, you have then a right oh, to yeah, an attorney. Yeah. If you're not able to afford one, one will be assigned to you. Right. She just happened to be that person. Okay. Um, and so she uh, approached Dahmer and if you look up the confession tapes, all the audio, this is her Asking doing that. And so she so she and... had to approach Dahmer with this sort of very like non-judgmental, like to get the information out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a lot of layers to it. But she's all these years later, she's the first person ever to that hear and to hear an intricate detail uh, what he did. And, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she was trying to see if they could get him to plea insanity. Right? I can't. I don't. Yes. I don't know if she was the was one that, that was. Was that the case? Yeah, yeah, that was the case. He was found sane. Right. Right. And what was ironic about her, um, or is uh, his defense attorney, is that she exclaimed that that was the first job that she had. Whoa, really? Uh, yeah, coming right out of oh, all that man. stuff. And so imagine that your Bless first case. Yeah, yeah, your first case is Jeffrey Dahmer, and she nailed it as far yeah. as getting all the information, building trust, yeah. having that non-judgmental attitude. And when she means by that, is that it didn't unconditional pay. positive regard. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, it's yeah, Carl, Carl Rogers, Carl humanistic. Rogers, right. You do not get what you want by. Yeah coming in and making yourself an enemy exactly. of the person you're interrogating. Yeah, it's not yeah. that she didn't think in her mind, like, wow. Wow, I'm sitting this. across yeah. from a... Uh, but she even said that she winced in a couple of moments that she had to get a grip on herself because of what he, he was, was saying. And I don't yeah. know what she was feeling. She wanted to shut her back or maybe come and in, in, in cold clock the guy. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, whatever Probably emotion... Probably all variations yeah. of those mm-hmm. things. I, I know that I feel that. Maybe that's just testosterone like I, yeah. I would just beat you up kind of thing again but um but yeah that non-judgmental attitude mm-hmm. allowed for all the information to release yeah. sure. and in such a way where she yeah. can record it down well this yeah. is also like one of those complexities too um you know there's a, a couple of trials in the 1990s we you could think of but in her case again this is the first time she's ever assigned to a case she's doing her job she's doing right. what she was trained to do and what she states in the Dahmer tapes, and it's somewhere trending on Netflix, but uh, that she was sort of getting death threats. Yeah. Yes. Because of the fact that she was doing it, and she's trying to explain, like, you realize there's... Very a... To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yes. Except Dahmer, of course, is guilty. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you realize that, like, I am actually doing a service. I'm actually trying to unearth... I'm not just yeah. trying to defend him. I'm trying to earth what actually happens so we can have data to work with. I mean, this is right. another one of those cases of those... Murders that was unprecedented, mass murders that was unprecedented, where there ever no one had any point of reference. Right for so this. So right. her, I would assume, like her mindset was like, I need to extract as much data as possible because this is going to be on on the record for like years after me to hopefully study and understand this. To hope that something like this never happens. Well, again. and she wants to get as much information as possible for victims right. and victims' families. And she she went through a wide range of her relationship with Jeff, uh, Jeff Dahmer, uh, getting all this information. She said at one time, um, I could describe him as a brother. I could describe him as a friend. I can describe him as a son. I can describe him as, as this mm, because of chameleon. the, na- yeah, because of the nature of, you know, just talking to him and having him be so open. It wasn't a hard job as far as recording all of that, as far as the difficulty getting out that much. Mm-hmm. But because of that, she he ended up saying things that he didn't say to the police mm-hmm. either or even in his confession. Right. And so he got she got a lot more out of that. And I can only imagine what it was like to unfilter that when you go home. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> difficult, extremely difficult. Uh, mm. I worked with a, th- this, this reminds me of, of, where I worked with a first responder who's very, very first ever 
911 call as an EMT was his father's fatal heart attack. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with people who are rurally stationed, you know, in a big city like Phoenix and all of its surrounding suburbs, the chances that you would get called to some a house to an incident of somebody that you know is mm-hmm. so slim. I mean, I can't. I don't even know what the statistics are. If there are statistics to represent it, um, but in a rural community like a place like Flagstaff or Sedona or Sholo or Pine Top, you know everyone. Mm-hmm. So the calls you're getting, the emergent critical mm-hmm. calls you're getting, are not for people that you can disconnect from. Yeah, they're they're for family and friends. So that adds another layer. Um, and. I love that when we were prepping for this episode, Jerry, you wanted to spend so much time focusing on like how billowous the effects of this are. Yeah. You know, it touches so many people forever. I mean, there is no way that the mother and sister of um, Errol Lindsay were ever the same again, ever. That doesn't mean, I mean, we have the offer of ultimate healing in Christ but we are not unscathed by suffering, mm-hmm. just like he wasn't, sure. right? right? So, sure. um, yeah, when you think about the ultimate impact of something like this and how, like, we're supposed to respond as Christians in the most, yeah. like, compassionate and empathetic way possible, mm-hmm. not, you know. Well, yeah, and then also when you talk about the ripple effect mm-hmm. is that, uh, and we'll, we'll jump into the, into the trial in just a second, but you even had uh, people who were in the apartment, not just the lady next door, but right. a bunch of people who would sort of all sleep together like on at the very like bottom of the apartment like they all had this like weird trauma bond yeah Mm -hmm. um just because they didn't really know how to relate except to relate to each other to say yes i feel you like Mm -hmm. i we feel all of us feel finally validated that this Mm -hmm. happened That something was wrong here yeah and that it was addressed right but also like think about what the psychological repercussion would be to be that close to a serial killer like this Mm mm-hmm Every single moment that you spent in your apartment, you would re-examine, was he watching me? Would I have been next? Plus, most of his neighbors were black, mm-hmm. yeah. which ended up being his primary, like, objective target. So, I, you know, the fear, the post-traumatic stress that would have been involved in that, I, yeah. just by your proximity... Hey, everyone, we want to make sure that you check out our merchandise store. If you go to shopcultish.com, you can check out all of our awesome cultish merch. we got everything from T-shirts to coffee cups to stickers, everything to start great conversations. And so if you want to go to shopcultish.com, you can see all the different merchandise options that are available for you. Also, a program like this cannot continue without your support, so please consider donating to Cultish. You can go to the uh, cultishshow.com. There is a donate tab. You can donate one time or monthly. And we are so thankful for all of you who have supported us and continue to support us. So again, the cultishshow.com donate tab. Thank you so much for supporting us. And now back to the episode. So what's interesting when you look at um, the 1990s, I mean, there there's always have been like racial tensions in American history. It's it's very important, partial just to who, like who we are as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we talked about this, too, like during the 1960s, you had a lot of racial tensions, especially with, uh, you know, Martin Luther King and everything that was going on there. Right. And it was accumulated with the Manson murders in the 1990s. When you think about two particular examples, you had the O.J. Simpson trial oh, yeah. um, and you think about how when you first like you think about 
what first comes to mind? Like I remember as a kid uh, seeing uh, you know OG OG a Bronco. Like going there, uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I totally remember yeah. seeing the footage of him in the Bronco. Yeah, the, yeah. the like helicopter footage. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm uh, also. I mean, I was homeschooled, so I remember just uh, constantly. I would be doing my homework, and I was really enamored by the OJ trial. Oh yeah. Like, I I would like be doing my homework, and it always kind of be on, uh, <laughs> even if it was like a split screen. Sure. You know, like whatever TV show is going on. I was I always just want to stay so like somewhat in tune. Yeah. And again, I'm 13 years old. Yeah. And when they read the verdict, like my heart was like pounding. Oh yeah. Like, it's yeah. actually going to happen. I remember that um, moment. And I just saw th- how the reaction of him being acquitted. Yeah. I didn't understand as a young boy the emotional reaction, specifically like outside the courtroom, mm-hmm. specifically like black men who were hugging each other, were crying, and I, I didn't understand it. No. I believe I have some level of understanding now, I mean, especially given when you look at what was also going on in 1991 mm-hmm. uh, was Rodney King. Right. Now, talking about social media, again, the, the modern generation is viewing this through the realm of Netflix. We have TikTok. We're expre- we're, everyone's trying to express this story through like Instagram Reels, right. TikToks. Um, you yeah. know, anybody who's an influencer, they're trying to do something with some sort of thumbnail to get their sure. thoughts in it. Like back then, we didn't have that. We had a couple of basic news stations. Mm-hmm. Right. And we like, had your you, local news and then the national yeah. news. So, you, but you look at something that as, as everyone knew that the Rodney King riots was racially, was a motivated. very, very racially motivated. And even if you look at the LA riots after, after the police were acquitted, when you look at what happened with Dahmer, like what's he known for? The fact that he just, he killed eight people. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's not really any emphasis that I ever, ever recollect yeah. that this was an issue actually similar to like the O.J. Simpson trial or uh, Rodney King in that sense. The, because, yeah, you, the, you, you never got the sense that it was racially motivated right. for him, right? But I don't think, I honestly don't think that it was. I think he was attracted to yes. yeah. young black men. Mm-hmm. I really think that, but... Because of the cultural climate, yes, mm-hmm. I could see how it would have been interpreted that way, and maybe because this happens a lot when you got serial killers that are killing women, you assume they hate women. Mm-hmm. You have a serial killer that's killing black men, which is highly unusual anyway, right? To have that as your mm-hmm. mo, um, I can I can see why that leap would be made quickly. Oh well, yeah. he must hate black people, but that. It wasn't about that. It was actually much, much worse what right. it was about. Yeah. yeah. He had a sexual disorder. He liked the male body. and um, uh, He liked corpses. Yeah, and he liked uh, to be dominant and, and uh, to, you know, yeah. uh, necrophilia. So yeah. he had those disorders. Um, I believe he qualifies mm. for those disorders, too, as Oh, totally, too, as well. absolutely. And, yeah. and I think this is also one of those moments, too, when you look at, uh, like, a very f- premier episode, sure. uh, Ground Zero Jonestown, where we're going mm. through Q42, the Jonestown tape. So many times, drink the Kool-Aid. Uh gets thrown around as a pejorative yeah and that whole aesthetic like i anybody who sends that i just delete comments i i honestly don't like it yeah um because it really just strips people who were victims of jim jones of their humanity yeah and when you actually look at the majority of the people who died in jonestown they're mostly african-american yeah they were manipulated yeah by someone who advocated for social justice mm-hmm. they were murdered and in the same way you know in, in his legacy, Dahmer's legacy, is like, oh, this is somebody who, uh, like, ate people. Or yeah. There's even now, like, there's videos and TikToks of people who are making jokes about cannibalism. Right. It's like, no, this is actually, 
right. sometimes these Imagine true crime if, stories, like they, they sometimes they do strip away yeah, the humanity, the, the humanity, and, and that's one of the things I really want to make emphasis on is that like these people were image bearers of God, and you also had like the families mm-hmm. that were. Right. Imagine for one second that you had to live the rest of your life knowing that your brother's heart was eaten mm-hmm. by a serial right. killer. Mm-hmm. But not only this, you think about um, just this, uh, this, the severance trauma of somebody going from, you know, think of all the people who go missing every single year. You, right. think, about, you think about the uh, epidemic of human trafficking. I know. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden have this period of maybe like a decade mm-hmm. where uh, you don't know what happened to your nephew right. or your cousin. And all of a sudden that clip we played at the beginning makes national news. Next thing you know. Right. Yep. The two detectives come knocking at your door, and I'm talking about trauma too. I'm talking about the trauma of the uh, detectives. Right. When you oh, know having to inform. Right. You know you're going to have to go to door after door because it again it's a small community having yeah. to tell all these people mm-hmm. uh, the the collateral fallout of that. Um, yeah. Did any you guys have any other thoughts on that? Because I want to kind of jump into the trial as well too. No, I think you know I think it's just important that when we are interested in stories like this that we honor the victims which include all of these people right Mm -hmm. detectives family members the actual people that were hurt and killed um and we get to do that as christians because we understand intrinsically their value and Mm -hmm. that they're image bearers right i mean ultimately without a christian worldview why are you upset about any of this anyway like what's wrong with evolved broccoli eating other evolved broccoli there Mm -hmm. isn't so Mm -hmm. Apart from God, you can't even make sense of this suffering, mm-hmm. right? So right. Christ is what's, what gives us the platform, the foundation to even argue that it's wrong, right? right? We From the very beginning, we have wanted to determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil. Mm-hmm. That alone belongs to the Lord, right? right? So be careful that you mm-hmm. don't just consume stories like this only because of that, like, you know, we are interested in the morbid. We are interested in what is unique and unusual. As a Christian, you need to recognize all of the players involved and their right. value. And I, I like how you guys bring up too, as well, that it this affects all facets of reality too, as well. Not yeah. just the not just the victims or the victims' family, but you know the workers, the policemen, the neighbors around them, yes. society Ugh. at large, thinking about their own mortality and everything like that. And I think of you know the Psalm of David uh, in one uh, Psalm one twenty four, that it says, "Had it not been Yahweh who was on our side, let Israel now say, had it not been Yahweh who was on our side, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive." And what I think about that is that, you know, overall, even the effects of evil, when they, you know, when they come to haunt us, the body of Christ is not destroyed. Here right. we are still talking about that. And I mm-hmm. do think he's talking about a covenant relationship. Yeah. And I always think that, you know, his covenant people are never destroyed, even though we're affected by all kinds of evil, affected by all kinds of trauma, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's had because it not been for Yahweh. Right, he promises that. Yeah. He promises his protection over us. And that's the number <laughs> one th- uh, thing that I think about when I came from, you know, out of my addiction, right. out of my traumas, out of my sufferings, had it not been for Yahweh. Uh-huh. And I, I, I think about that. And that's the covenantal mind I, I would like to, uh, for every Christian that is seeing all of this around them in any kind of heinous act or crime or whatever, including Jeffrey Dahmer, 
had it not been for Yahweh, mm-hmm. the body of Christ still stands firm. Right, right. And so I would implore anybody to repent and believe in right. Christ to come over to that, to have that peace and make sense of everything around right. them. Right. Yeah. Um, so the trial, so the trial is really interesting. Yeah. Let me just set up the, pro- let me just make one point if I recall, and I'll let you guys kind of jump in. Uh-huh. Um, so his defense, if I'm not mistaken, they wanted him to plead insanity, the insanity plea, but based off of Dahmer's confession, he was not given that. So he actually went to prison instead of going to a, a mental institution slash asylum. That's mm-hmm. that is, my understanding, correct? Yeah. So he he was definitely also evaluated by multiple people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just based on his confession. Mm-hmm. Right. He was evaluated to determine sanity, right, mm-hmm. by multiple professionals. Um, I actually just pulled up an article that's like a, it's kind of a cheapo summary article by mm-hmm. um, Oxygen. Yeah. But uh, the, so he tried to enter in, he tried to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. So that's a real thing here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Guilty except insane, not guilty by reason of insanity. In Arizona, we actually don't use that terminology because in our uh, statutes, we uphold that the person is guilty, like mm-hmm. guilty except insane. So um, this is a whole area of psychology and psychiatry and evaluation. People go and get competency training and learn how to establish competency. So um, it has to do with Rule 11 here in Arizona. Every mm-hmm. year, every couple of years, they do a huge training on it. Um, so the law says that in order to stand trial, you must be deemed competent, right? Competent being the opposite of insane, right? Not sane at the time that you committed the crime. Mm-hmm. What that means is two things. You are found competent to stand trial, sane, mm-hmm. essentially, um, if you can, one, understand the nature of the charges being brought against you so that you like you understand that you're being charged with first degree murder, capital murder, whatever mm-hmm. you're being charged with, um, and that you have the capacity to assist your defense in your own counsel. Mm-hmm. So these people that were brought in to examine Dahmer mm-hmm. would have used this inform this as kind of a foundation was he out of his mind at the time that he committed these crimes? Right. Well, he was deranged, but he knew where he was. He knew what he was doing. Right. He knew what he was doing was wrong, which is mm-hmm. all established in the confession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, in reason or gu- not guilty by reason of insanity is for individuals that were in florid psychosis when they committed their act. Mm-hmm. Individuals that believed they were the archangel Michael, and that if they didn't burn down this school. Satan himself would be loosed on the world, right? That person was not sane Mm -hmm. at the time they lit the fire. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but if he, but if he had only, for example, committed the one murder that took place in the hotel where he had passed out, Mm -hmm. do you think that might've been like a better case? Say that was the only time that took place. Because he was like unconscious, he said he drank and he passed out. I don't think that that would have stood up in a no. court. I okay. think I I think he could have said like I don't have any memory of this, and I think a jury would have said, well, your knuckles were black yeah. and covered in crusted blood, yeah. and the blood was of this individual. 
Yes, he might have. Me. He <laughs> might have not been charged with first degree murder as far as intent goes yeah. because of the intoxication, but definitely wouldn't have been right. charged with so murder. So you have to so. be able to prove that you were insane during the commission of an act. Mm-hmm. You, if he wasn't, was he deranged and awful? Absolutely, but he was in his right mind, meaning he did not think he wasn't hearing things, he wasn't seeing things, he didn't have a dog commanding him to do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z like we see in Son of Sam or any mm-hmm. of that. He was fully aware and conscious conscious of what he was doing. He was deliberate and intentional. He was calculating. Mm-hmm. He planned it. Like all, like that first murder might not have been planned per se because he didn't plan necessarily to pick up that hitchhiker that day in Stephen Hicks. Mm-hmm. But look at all of the forethought involved in disposing of their bodies. A disorganized person, somebody that isn't connected to reality, doesn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. They aren't sane when they commit the crime, and they're not sane enough to clean it up, mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. and cover it up. So, yeah, he was definitely deemed competent to stand trial, and any judge worth their salt would have ap- immediately returned. No. Yeah, the defense team wasn't surprised about the verdict. No, 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 no. And I think that's kind of your job as the defense team is, like, if the only thing that we've got here, because no, everyone knew he was guilty. Mm-hmm. He was caught with the body, like... Mm-hmm by a guy he was about to mm-hmm. murder. Mm-hmm. There, Jeffrey was not getting away. There was no not guilty. And he knew no. that too as well. And exa- exactly. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, mm-hmm. there's clearly something wrong right. with you, Dahmer. Mm-hmm. You like to eat people. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. wrong with you. You must be insane in a way, mm-hmm. right? But not in this way. Like, according to the law, insane during the commission of a crime means like you couldn't reasonably be expected mm-hmm. to act morally. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not true here. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, what's also interesting, too, and I, I guess we'll uh, go ahead and play a clip in just yes. a moment. So when you think about even now, you think about all the different court shows. You have like uh, just court TV. You have Judge Judy, like all these court drama shows that are kind of like some of it is kind of everyone knows they're on TV. So they're kind of putting on a show a sure. little bit. I mean, it's so there's, there's some there's, whether it's, whether it's judge Judy, judge Joe Brown and mm-hmm. all these other, other shows. But when you look at a lot of times in the early nineties, that was one of the first times that I can remember where they started really putting cameras in courtrooms. Right. And so you think about the, uh, trial, the OJ trial, yes. that was, that was an example where first all of a sudden public, like trial in that way. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of the first ever reality shows. Oh, yeah. So you had like, I remember too, as even a kid, like all these different players was at Cato Kalin. Yep. Yep. It was OJ's roommate, but there's these infamous, like infamous Vegito. moments. So they had a mem- they had, there's a moment where a camera zoomed down on something that OJ was writing. Mm-hmm. And then judge Ito said, uh, this, that was a violation yeah. of that. So they actually terminated the recording like for that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Um, and so well, you would, because he's got, so like, that's a huge deal. Cause that right to privacy between you and your attorney is like, yeah. And then you also got to see people just real raw mm-hmm. emotions on play where a lot of times you'd have, um, where cameras weren't allowed, you'd have somebody who was like sketching. sketching yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times in the news, you would see kind of like the, the camera panning on a sketch drawing of something. Yeah. But a lot of times you got to see people's emotions. So, so another example, when OJ was acquitted, uh, not guilty yeah. by the jury, you could hear, uh, you know, Nicole's was, family. Yeah. Nicole's family. Um, and it was, what was the dad's name? It was Ron Goldman. Who yes. Was, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you could hear them just like, crying out oh, for yeah. like injustice you yeah. know and this is like multiple months and so there's all these like various emotions so you saw the same thing around the same time well this is a couple of years later the oj trial was but you saw the same thing happen too where uh this is a real and like raw moment so again 
I want to make sure that there's gravitas to this, that um, this is a very emotional conversation. This is a moment towards when he's about to get sentencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is a moment where they gave uh, victim's the fi- family. The victim's family is a moment to, to say their piece. To Jeffrey. To Jeffrey. So, uh, and like I said, we've given plenty of warning disclaimers. There are some very expressive words uh, used in this clip. So, again, right. uh, please listen to this with uh, caution. And we are going to go ahead and break down uh, this clip. And what's the person's name again? In this so, clip? this is the sister of. Um... Errol Lindsay. I can't remember her first name, but mm-hmm. she's the sister of one of Jeffrey's victims. Okay. Oldest sister of Errol Lindsay. Jeff, whatever your name is, Satan. I'm mad. This is how you act when you are out of control. I don't want to ever see my mother have to go through this again. Never, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I hate you, mother. So yeah, as you can see, that a very intense clip. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, what's taking place in that is you know, again she used a lot of expressive language. Again, we chose not to censor it out just right. because it's showing the real emotional gravitas right. of her in that moment. Uh, what you don't, if you're listening to this, what you see is that she's initially uh, at the podium where the 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 victims, uh, families of the victims are allowed to stand, say their piece. Uh, she loses control she starts to walk over towards jeffrey and you see uh, several of the police officers go and try and hold her back um what is yeah what is interesting though if you just look at body language Dahmer's completely cool calm collected well and he's refusing to look at her which is why she's getting so angry Mm -hmm. and why she moves toward him you Mm. can hear her say look at me jeffrey like you can hear that and and he is Again, choosing to check out in that moment rather than face what he's done. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I can't imagine a more infuriating experience, but absolutely what this type of psychopath would do Mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts on this clip? Like when you see this, you've kind of read up on that. I mean, how, how do you pick apart what's happening here yeah sure obviously i mean very emotional um i think that the language that she uses fits the situation Agreed. i wouldn't um I, i'd probably express the same way kind mm. of thing like that um also just it's just reality check you know um god you know we live in an explicit world and god saved me out of an explicit world um mm. i when i tell my testimony um you know depending on who i'm talking to i can go into to detail only because we need to know this. So this clip, uh, when I listen to it, it is something that we need to hear to gain the reality of what is going on, the emotional reaction, and the harm that we can do to our neighbor because yeah. of situations like this. Yeah. And then to look at Jeffrey Dahmer, again, stoic, right? No emotion, oh. checking out, dissociation, elicits even more anger because you know you're not paying attention to me. That's part of justice, too, as well, to say your piece right. and mm. the pursuit of that. And we want that to be... I mean, we want that to be sharp. We wanted to see some kind of remorse yeah. on his face, you know, and then how completely I'm getting like preachy here, yeah. but like how completely uh, offensive could it be to the victims where you even are trying to impl- uh, to plead insanity 
um, uh, in the first place. You know, a lot of the victims don't see that as justice. And so when you look at God's law, this is why, you know, like an eye for an eye in, in the, in the uh, case law right. sense really really is a part of our design to pursue right because that is the nature of justice now we don't have to talk about the uh the kind of uh the you know the law and whether or not first degree second degree uh, you know insane or non-insane right, right. needs to be talked about or anything like that but it does show us um in our hearts the pursuit of justice and i think that um that we saw that in in her emotional reaction as far as the angsts that we see again it goes back to romans 1 the wrath of god is revealed unto all mankind mm -hmm. and so we know that there's injustice taking place yes when you don't look me in the eye and you did this to my sister right. you know like you owe mm. me something at least that right yeah. you owe me mm -hmm. and, and then um and then again you know it just yeah. shows our angst on that so when i hear that uh, uh that it's my mind yeah my mind immediately goes to yeah you know, wanting justice. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a very stark contrast between the clip we played at the very beginning. Right. And where he's also saying he adhered to an evolutionary worldview. Right. Where it would make sense where if that's what he was adhering to, at least at the time, where maybe at that time he didn't have any remorse or he just right. he didn't want to be controlled. He maybe he thought it was another situation he could control, yeah. even though he had already been arrested. He can sort of be stoic, not react to how she's reacting. Mm -hmm. Uh, the whole time. Well, a way for him to re-victimize again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, um, there's a moment, I can't remember what movie it, it was. It was a movie with, uh, Michael Keaton and, um, and this other famous, it was Andy Garcia. And I never saw the movie. I heard it was actually pretty lame, but it's called Desperate Measures. Mm. And basically there's a detective, there's this guy, Michael Keaton's this uh, guy who's on it, who has a death sentence or he's in, in cards, he's incarcerated, he's like a serial killer, but he finds out, uh, Andy Garcia's character, he's a detective, and he finds out that his son is, uh, like, has this terminal disease, mm. and I guess Michael Keaton's character's blood count is, uh, whatever his blood type, is what he needs, to, like, to fix whatever disease that he has. Okay. Um, and so Michael Keaton's character says to Andy Garcia, he goes, you know, I, basically, I get the opportunity to kill your son, and all I have to do is nothing. Mm-hmm. So... There's almost like a level, even like an inmates, they still oh. want to still mm -hmm. terrorize their people, even though, like, even though, like, they know that you've already done these crimes, right. like you're living rent free in a lot of people's heads and mm -hmm. like people still get a rise out of that. Oh, they're so famous. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's so famous. So Jeffrey is dead. He was murdered by another inmate, I think in 94. Yeah. Um, so he, he's not around to hear or see any of this happening. But could you imagine if he was alive and the Netflix series premiered? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the victims' families have come out and talked in staunch opposition to the show mm -hmm. because yeah. the focus, of course, is Dahmer, not the victims. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's always the problem. It yeah. is. A, it's a huge problem. How even as Christians, how do we avoid like f the focusing on the monster Right. Mm -hmm. And not focusing on the human beings who had dignity and value that he killed. Correct. Patterns of behavior in, uh, uh, in humans is when they see something, they want to reenact it too as mm -hmm. well. So you create a lot of copycats or can create a lot of copycats, yeah. um, you know, like a copycat uh, uh, serial killer or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, I mean, even now that uh, at the, as the water's calmed, it's 2022 and you bring this up again. Right. I know. Right. Now, how many people are thinking about that? Uh -huh. um, I, I, I kind of agree with the victims on this. Yeah, agree. <laughs> on 
on this part that I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't pursue it. Mm-hmm. Um, the information is out there. Everybody knows who Jeffrey Dahmer is. Uh, we've abominated it. We've explained it. I probably we just needed to put it to rest. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I do. So. We do. I think ultimately to answer the question we've been speaking to throughout the two episodes is. As Christians, we absolutely have a responsibility to engage the culture. This is happening Mm -hmm. in the culture. Mm -hmm. So how do we speak to it? Mm -hmm. Well, we speak to it the same way we speak to anything Mm -hmm. with the gospel, Mm -hmm. with the truth of scripture. Mm -hmm. And I hope, I hope desperately that Jeffrey truly repented. I really hope that. I have no way of knowing, but I hope that's true. Just like I hope it's true for everyone. I hope everyone who is wicked and dead in their sins and trespasses will repent Mm -hmm. right and believe on christ so yeah i mean there's there's a lot of layers to that when you talk about not only the how the trauma is like multifaceted amongst Mm -hmm. uh you know the first responders you have uh the victims the victims the families uh then you have you know Dahmer, but even like the relationship with his parents and those who are close to them like even the trauma his grandma went through just just thinking hey this is my grandson that was just trying to do my best to take care of him and like in your old age realizing that your son was actually killing people in your basement and now the media people are trying to talk to you Mm -hmm. um and some days she was going to yeah she was his grandma was like you know, he had breakfast with his grandma before she went to church and there was a body upstairs. Yeah, mm-hmm. upstairs or yeah. in the basement. You can only imagine what she was thinking, you know, what was going mm-hmm. on when I was at church and then, the, you know, yeah. in the house. And all of a sudden it shakes your faith a little yeah. bit too as well. It shakes your heart. Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, if it had not been for Yahweh who was on our side, I mean, if she didn't have to, you know, come back to that. And then plus a sense of betrayal too as well mm-hmm. because he seemed to have great love for his grandma well, um, it's a betrayal and a sense of responsibility yeah maybe uh, yeah, like i didn't notice what i should have noticed d- what could i have done or if i did notice the you survivor's know, guilt is yeah. very real what yeah. did i ignore what did i uh, miss and things like mm. that especially with the the mannequin involved because she Ugh. is the one that found it and yeah. called her dad right you know? yeah. oh man so just real quick so when you think of just jumping back to that uh court tape that we played how how would we how would we articulate the gospel to someone like that. I mean, she, to the she, sister, to the sister who's like rushing him, you know, there's so many emotions going through uh-huh. this. She wants justice, arguably and understandably. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. Pl- he, I mean, he, he, I think in that, you don't, in that moment, you let her yeah, catch her breath. hundred percent. You let her catch her breath. But then you say, absolutely. Everything that you are feeling right now, Everything you're feeling right now speaks to what you know is true, which is that your brother had eternal value. That mm-hmm. as a human being, he was his value was limitless. Mm-hmm. And what you're watching in the face of his killer mm-hmm. is zero acknowledgement of that. Yeah. He deserves justice. God says eye for an eye. Yeah. We're, right? we're allowed to abominate. That's where says. I that's where I would go. That's how I would speak to her. Like there's the reason that you're angry right now because you loved your brother because yeah. he's gone. It's actually because of all of this. Right. Now I know mm. I don't know initially her belief in God or anything like that. Right. Um, you know the nature of repentance and belief is is going to come upon everybody regardless if a tragedy has happened to you or not or anything like that. But obviously you mourn with those who mourn. Um, and you don't mourn if you do believe in God. Like one has no hope. So of course we gotta 
um, let her breathe. Right, let <laughs> and, her breathe. And, and maybe this is for a long time, not all at once yeah. kind of thing like that. Um, the, the best gospel presentation inside of tragedy is to know that you're with that person and that they're with you. Right. Uh, and you speak words of love and encouragement right. into them. And sometimes that just means staying silent. Right. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then you, and then you, um, kind of, you know, uh, recapitulate, you know, the gospel as it's yeah. need. Again, if it had not been for Yahweh, you mourn with those who mourn. mourn. Uh, you don't right. mourn like you don't have any hope kind of thing. And she mm-hmm. said something at the beginning. She didn't want to utter Jeffrey's name at first. Yeah. <laughs> she Devil. said, whatever your name, Satan. Satan. You know, you called him Satan. You know, I, I, and I would, um, you know, I like I like taking people's words for what they are, regardless sure. of intent, because you can always tell a story through those things. And that is evil. Oh, what he did evil. was the breath of Satan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If scripture is theonostos, right. <laughs> then sin is whatever whatever is the Greek term for the breath right. of Satan. Right, kind of the thing. breath of Satan. And bringing it back there and showing that even though, even though, people get away with their crimes and there is injustice and things like that, that one day, one day, someone will have to face the Lord of glory. Right. And no one got away with anything. anything. No one got away with No anything. one got away with anything. This should reflect upon yourself before you judge somebody mm-hmm. as well. And then even in your right judgment, let that be known. Yeah. yeah. It's always been said that it's, it's, it's better for a guilty man to go free than to throw an innocent man in jail. Right. Right. That is because no one gets away right. with anything. Everyone's and justice yeah. must be pursued. So yeah. There you go. How much fun, Jerry? No. Dark, uh, dark topic, yeah, but yes. it's such a good conversation. No, def- definitely. And I just, um, there's a lot, I'll, they're not going to go a whole bunch into what was going on with him at his at, uh, prison. But when you do talk about uh, eye for an eye, what is what was the name of his uh, first victim again? Stephen, Stephen Hicks. Hicks. Stephen Hicks. Yeah. yeah. So Stephen Hicks. So there's a level of like eye for an eye, or like say what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Um, from all from Jeffrey Dahmer's own confession, uh, when he murdered Stephen Hicks, very compulsive, and his first murder he ever did, uh, he used a uh, weight. Yeah, uh, a dumbbell. A, a dumbbell mm-hmm. uh, with a blunt hit to the head uh, to initially uh, kill him. Yeah, and. It was actually, he was assigned, I believe, on uh, cleanup duty, whatever you call it, uh, in the gym area mm-hmm. of the prison. And for all intents and purposes, uh, there was somebody else who was also a convicted serial killer. Uh, he used a uh, gym dumbbell against Jeffrey. And beat him to death. So ironically, way, yeah. the same way he committed his first murder, mm-hmm. he, he, was was on the rec- he was on the receiving end of you that. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, you don't, like, there's just, there is, whether we see it or not, guys, there is always perfect justice. And don't look for it in the world because it, it, it won't necessarily yeah. come from there. We love when it does come from mm-hmm. there, but the ultimate justice we're seeking anyway is yeah. when we stand before God. Yeah, mm-hmm. and ultimately, God is the perfect judge, and, right. uh, and as we far, aren't. at the end of the day, we do know. I do rest in the fact that Dahmer did get perfect justice. Yes. Uh, I can rest yep. in. I can rest in that. So, what's really interesting as well, too, uh, as we wrap up here, is that, um, and then again, this was articulated at the very end of the Netflix series, and you, again, you can probably find this these details just by you know looking up clips to kind of find out the story behind it. Mm-hmm. But after uh, Dahmer had died, one what was also interesting too is that um, 
the, the investigation, they did a full investigation because it was such a national news story. They didn't right. want to make any further uh, controversy, so they did a full investigation. Mm-hmm. Upon them looking into uh, what happened with him dying in prison, they, it was pretty, they said there was a notification that he didn't resist at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he... He actually like wanted to die. He wanted to get the death penalty. Um, so it's just, and another thing too is he actually chose not to be in the confinement area, but to just to be in the general public. The general population. Um, yeah. I don't know how much that was like. Well, maybe if I just get out there, I don't have to spend the rest of my life. Maybe I can get what I deserve. Yeah. Um, you know, and that just shows to go that eventually, it doesn't matter who you are, what right. you've done. Eventually, no matter how hardened you are, eventually that guilt will start coming around you can only suppress it for so long before it comes back at you mm-hmm. um i agree with that wholeheartedly mm-hmm. to either one degree or another to the max or to the slightest mm-hmm. yeah um that your sins will find you or that you reap what you do so mm-hmm. yeah. you know whether the I, I hope we find that out in this life and not the next yeah. and what i mean by that is is a point to where it breaks your heart and leads to a godly repentance right that's right. why when i watch uh jeffrey's confession of faith that, you know, I, 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 I have doubts myself, you know what I mean? And I'm sure everybody else does. But, you know, godly sorrow leads to, uh, uh, leads to repentance and God knows his heart um, mm-hmm. on everything. Um, but I, you know, I do think about that. And, right. uh, yeah. you know, how to handle that situation as Christians uh, yeah. when we look upon something like that and how to answer right. the world. As Christians, uh, we should that. hope yeah. that everyone is saved. Yeah. Yep. And also just uh, the last thing I'll just say as we as we wrap up, kind of like the final thoughts on this is... Uh, when after Dahmer had died, there was a discussion that um, I don't know if it was like some of the universities and uh, one of their departments studying neurology. They wanted to be able to uh, study Jeffrey Dahmer's brain mm-hmm. um, and they're in hopes, again, that they might be able to find something to say, OK, what made him tick and do the things that. Uh, he did. I mm-hmm. uh, believe it was Dahmer's father who said, no, uh, you need to dispose of it, uh, to which they did. And uh, from my understanding, the show kind of depicted the uh, kind of like that. Well, like, we'll never really know. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that I think that's one of the real flaws when it comes like even why we're doing this episode is yeah. that the, the truth to the nature of evil is not behind studying, you know, the the somebody's brain after the they've physiological died. structures of right brain. so it's like okay we we have what if we had some remaining body parts of like hitler is that going to really get us into the mindset of why he did the things that he did like no uh, i think when it comes down to it we have to look at really what the Bible says about us, the heart is deceitful above all things uh, I, I, and desperately wicked. I actually want to now quote from the movie Seven. Oh. <laughs> and here is, is yeah. William Somerset said this, if we catch John Doe and he turns out to be the devil, I mean, if he's Satan himself, that might live up to our expectations. Mm-hmm. But he's not the devil. He's just a man. Yeah. And that shows you that, mm-hmm. well, we're all in that category. Right. And yeah. that, that's, I think as Christians, that's really important. I, you know, there is there is good that can come from performing posthumous analysis mm. of somebody's body. If they really thought that something happened to Dahmer that yeah. messed with his, like there was a brain trauma that could have caused his deviance. Okay. Um, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. We didn't have this like concussive injury that occurred to him. Mm-hmm. And then he started killing and eating people. Yeah. He had these fantasies from the time he was very, 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 very little. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they started with wanting to lay next to somebody who is completely still and it just escalates. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't like it's not that we would say, no, you should never perform an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You should. But we don't need to look there to understand mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can understand Jeffrey Dahmer because we understand sin nature and depravity. Yeah. And ultimately, we can find the true nature of evil by looking at the cross. That's right. And looking at Christ who was crucified on Calvary. Yeah. Right. Innocent. And, crucif- innocent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The and only then, man that didn't deserve to die. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and from there, you have perfect. We talk about how the trauma was multifaceted. Uh, multi-generational. Multi-generational, multifaceted amongst all the parties, uh, victims, families, uh, you name it. We yeah. express that in both of the episodes. But now... Uh, what we want to maybe just finally articulate as we wrap up here is that the gospel is uh, is relevant to this conversation. That this is the only way we can give an accounting for it, and also the gospel allows us to give allows justice. Yeah, for all parties. That's right, yeah. justice for all parties. Yeah, I uh, again I, I've mentioned this word. I can get misty eyed by talking about that too as well because the nature of election and then the, the yeah. fact that my depravity prohibited me, impeded me, uh, me uh, to even come uh, to Jesus Christ myself, that I could have faced that judgment, mm-hmm. but God's divine mercy on my heart opened my eyes to uh, the kingdom of God, causing my heart to be anew. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I think about that eternal judgment, I don't want anybody to face that. Right. And so mm-hmm. I hope people hear this, and yes, we've talked about something interesting, but if you've listened to the first episode and the second episode, we've not we we didn't shoehorn. We right. talked about Christ throughout right. this all. Please, you're no better or worse than anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Repent and believe the gospel. And if it had not been for Yahweh, we would all be consumed. Right. Mm. Come to the cross for true healing. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, a wrap on our second ever crossover with a couch divided. Uh-huh. Uh, real quickly, where's the home address? Where can people find you all? Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Our website's currently under construction because we're mm-hmm. doing some cool stuff with it. But yeah. please, yeah. Um, our you can email us at a couch divided pod. Yeah, po- at Gmail. Uh, ca- yeah, couch divided podcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Instagram, couch divided yes. pod. Yep. Same name, Facebook. Email us. Right. Uh, we have tons of people always emailing us topics and, yes. and engaging. We love talking to uh, you guys. Forgive us if we haven't gone back to you yet, but uh, we, we will. will. So, Okay. All right. all right. Well, thank you all for listening in to, uh, is this our second true crime series that we've yes. done? Yeah. And ironically, we did the first one. Yeah. So this is our second, second true, crime. true crime. And we hope to do more in the future. So if you all enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear your feedback. Yes. And as always, a program like this cannot continue without your support. So if you want to support the Cultish Ministry, you can go to thecultishshow.com. Uh, there is a donate tab, and we'd ask that you uh, prayerfully consider either donating one time or monthly. All right. All that being said, uh, we'll talk to you all next time on Cultish, where we enter into... The Kingdom of the Colts. Talk to you all soon.